you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists, like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Pro Bowl voting is here, and awesome Pro Bowl starts with awesome players, and your vote helps decide who gets a spot on the AFC and NFC rosters. Show your love, cast your vote, and make sure your favorite players make it to the 2020 Pro Bowl. Vote today and be entered to win exclusive prizes at NFL.com slash Pro Bowl vote. And now, move the sticks. Ten takeaways from week 13 with Daniel Jeremiah, Bucky Brooks, and Rhett Lewis. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Six, presented by AARP, DJ, Bucky, and Rhett. I say that, Rhett. Uh, Bucky's <laughs> going to join us a little later on in this show. Oh, yeah, there. that's right. He's not here right now. Yeah. He's going to be here, and we've got a lot of takeaways to get to today, my friend. How you doing? Uh, I'm doing wonderful. The old oaken bucket is back in its rightful home back in Bloomington, Indiana. All is right with the world, DJ. We're in good shape, my friend. I, I've got to give you some love, and I'll give Bucky some love as well, because you saw Mac Brown celebrating, dancing in the locker room at the University of North Carolina. They're going bowling. Your Indiana Hoosiers, one of the best years they've had in a long time. Congratulations. My team's just number 20 in the country, but we don't need to talk about well, that. And you, well, and we you know, and no, we, we can, but also, how about a lot of love to Appalachian State down in the uh, in the Miami Dolphins-Philadelphia Eagles game? You know why that fake field goal was called the Mountaineer shot, right? Because no, I did not. I did not. Because of the, the, the long snapper Kilgore went to App State, the, and and so and, and there it is. So that's why they called it the Mountaineer shot. I love it. 
So I love that. You're in. You're in. The, you're. you're you that's know, a takeaway. App State in the NFL, baby. A takeaway before the takeaways. That's right. Yeah, I love it. Uh, all right, we're going to get to Bucky a little bit later on. He's going to have a couple takeaways at the end of the program. But uh, uh, let's start off with my first one. Jump right in here. The big Sunday night game. The Houston Texans find themselves in the driver's seat. Deshaun hands off to Johnson. Now to Hop right side. Who flips the ball to Watson, diving for the pylon, and he's got it. Razzle dazzle touchdown, Houston. Deshaun Watson with a touchdown coming from his buddy DeAndre Hopkins. Beautiful. And DeAndre Hopkins took a shot before he yeah, delivered golly. that pitch yeah. uh, to Deshaun Watson. That scared me a little bit. But, uh, look, trick play, it was, it was fun, wasn't needed. This is a team <laughs> that really I thought the Patriots made a late run, but they controlled this football game. And I think when I say control uh, their own destiny in the driver's seat inside that division with the one-game lead on the Tennessee Titans, this is a Houston Texans team that I thought frustrated uh, the New England Patriots throughout this entire football game. And, uh, and finally, we're able to, uh, to get past this hurdle. I think what? 0-5 um, previously against this bunch with That's right. Bill O'Brien as the head coach. So it was a big one for them. Yeah. Was Tom, were the Patriots more frustrated? Was Tom Brady more frustrated with what Romeo Cornell and the Texans defense was doing to them or by the receivers that the Patriots are trotting out there right now? <laughs> I mean, like I think it arguably could go either way. Yeah, this is fr- that was frustration. The, the, when I watched the L22, you can see Tom Brady after several throws putting his hands on top of his helmet. You can only imagine what he's saying underneath his breath. Right. But uh, guys not settling, guys not settling in zones. We always talk about when you're when you're running routes in the man versus zone, right? You know this as well as anybody, yeah. but you, you don't run to get covered. No. When you when you get to space in a zone, just settle up, give the quarterback your numbers. Several instances of miscommunication there. Then they're able to get some inside pressure on Brady, which we've talked about forever being uh, something every quarterback hates, but just uh, collapsing the pocket on him. No rhythm, uh, no confidence, no feel. It's a bad Patriots offense, man. Let's call it what it is. Yeah, and I know you're going to break that down for us 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern time on the aftermath today. Uh, And look, for the Patriots, this level of frustration that we've seen from Tom Brady and the offensive side of the ball reminds me of 2013, specifically a Thursday night football game early in the season against the Jets, in which they won, but barely against a bad Jets team, 13 to 10. And Gronk was hurt that season, as you might remember. And Tom Brady was left to deal with a rookie receiver and Aaron Dobson, who was a second round pick, and then an undrafted free agent and Ken Brell Tompkins. And Julian Edelman was Mm. all they had in the past game outside of those two. So this reminds me of that year where they actually ended up going on a a winning a winning streak and finding themselves in the AFC championship game uh, after getting a bye. And then they just had nothing for the Broncos in that championship game in 2013. They might they might get there this year that same way, but just sub in the Ravens in the AFC championship game because they will not win in Baltimore with this team. That's the way it feels. And, yeah, the thing giving me confidence with them was if they were at home. But right. now you see it here. The Ravens take over that top overall spot. They have to go on the road. That changes things, in my opinion. Yeah, and, and look, just lastly on this one for the Texans, I don't think we can overstate how big of a win this is for this crew. Uh, you mentioned it, 0-5 against uh, Bill Belichick for, for Bill O'Brien, coach Texans teams. But he, what have we seen before? They've won the AFC South before a couple of times. I mean, more, more than a couple of times here for Bill O'Brien. But what happens in the playoffs? Even if they do get past that first round, which they haven't uh, a couple of times here, they run into the Patriots and they've got, you know, you just have yeah. no confidence that they're going to go into Foxborough and beat the Patriots this year. 
they've proven now that they can do that. So uh, this gives them a lot yeah, of confidence moving go. forward. Uh, all right, I'll get us to our second takeaway of the day here, DJ, and that is that uh, Mike Vrabel is the owner of the best coaching decision in the NFL this year. Tannehill, two receivers either side, takes the snap, play fake, rolling to his right, comes back, goes deep downfield. There's Raymond running under it. Did he catch it? Yes, he did. Touchdown, Titans! Khalif Raymond, his sixth NFL catch, his first NFL touchdown, and Khalif Raymond went and got it, and the Titans are 13 in front. Ryan Tannehill, winner in five of his six starts as the Titans quarterback after they benched Marcus Mariota uh, in the sixth week of his fifth season. Uh, all five seasons, they've trotted Marcus Mariota out as a starting quarterback as the face of their franchise. Uh, but this year, they brought in Ryan Tannehill, and that has proven to be a terrific move by John Robinson and the crew in the front office there. In fact, I would say, DJ, that the best decision that John Robinson uh, has made is the one to not give Marcus Mariota a contract extension after he took him to the second round of the playoffs in 2017. You know, I know the numbers didn't quite support making him, you know, one of the highest paid quarterbacks in football, but that's something that we would have, we could have seen, easily seen a team do after taking them kind of deep into the playoffs a couple of years ago. That was a great move. And this was a great move by Mike Vrabel. It's a hard decision to make. I don't care how poorly the quarterback's playing at that point. Um, this is a hard decision for him to make, and it was a great one. So here's the thing that we have to try to decide now. Um, so Tannehill, in the one loss, look, they threw it like 39 times. That's not going to win you games, especially when you got Derrick Henry in the backfield yeah. playing as well as he is right now. Since that loss, though, here's what Tannehill's done. 19 attempts, 18 attempts, 22 attempts. He's completed no less than 68% of those attempts in those games. Six touchdowns, zero interceptions, a passer rating no less than 131 on this current three-game win streak. The confidence that the Titans have in him is obvious. Go back to the play you just saw on the radio call you just heard. They're up seven. This is following a Jacoby Brissett interception, and they're trying to run out the clock with over three minutes to go. And they don't just hand it to Derrick Henry three times. They take a deep shot with Ryan Tannehill, and it's his best throw of the game, and it's the absolute dagger. They don't make that play call, and Marcus Mariota doesn't make that throw. That's the difference. All right, I want to get to a couple things here. So I want to touch on Tannehill. I want to touch on Derrick Henry. Yeah. Um, but before we do that, I want to play a little a little schedule game for you. Okay. okay. So I'm going to tell you there are four remaining games. We're going to go one at a time, and you tell me win or loss. Okay? You ready? Got it. All right, next up, on the road at the Raiders, win or loss? Win. Okay. Next game, at home against the Texans. Loss. Okay. Next game, at home versus the Saints. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, I'm going to give them a win. Okay. A win. And then last week of the season, yeah. on on the road at the Texans. <sighs> I, I mean, that could be for the division right there. Um, I, I think I give him a loss a point there. There's a to this. Yeah. I'm going to get to it. Okay, so you gave him two wins, two losses. Yeah, so they're down. Their to record right now is 7-5. Nine and, five. and seven. That gets them to 9-7. and seven. 2016, what were they? 9-7. and seven. 2017, what were they? 9-7. and seven. 2018, what were they? Were they 9-7 and seven last year? 
three straight years they've been nine and seven. And while I give them tremendous credit yeah. for Ryan Tannehill and the job he's doing, I can't help but think we are running right towards nine and seven yeah. for the fourth straight year. That's a tough stretch. For the Tennessee Titans. So that's and it's, that's it's if, interesting. That's if they beat the Saints. I mean, like wise. maybe they split with the Texans down the stretch, and maybe they don't beat the Saints. That's kind of what I was thinking. But you either split with them. Either way, it's the nine and seven. Yeah. yeah. Either way, it's nine and seven. Uh, that's a good point. Nuts. Uh, but Ryan, Ryan Tannehill is going to get paid. Uh, the, the Tennessee Titans, the decision is being made for them. A lot of times in life, I'll tell people, not just in football, but in any walk of life, don't stress over those big decisions out in the future. A lot of times those decisions kind of make themselves. And uh, Ryan Tannehill has proven that he can be their guy going forward. Uh, Alex Smith, to me, is is the comparison when you look at what he can do with the pieces around him. Alex Smith won a lot of football games with the Kansas City Chiefs. I can't see why with Ryan Tannehill going forward for at least a couple years here uh, that he can't have a similar type output. And, and last thing I'll say about it, you're right. And I feel like the next four games, though, might have more to say about Tannehill's future in Tennessee than the previous six, considering the level of opponent of opponent and what's at stake. I mean, if we go back to look at what Tannehill's numbers are right now, they're fantastic. Go back to his career in Miami. He only had one season where he didn't throw double digit interceptions as a starter. And that was a a season in which he only played 11 games. So, I mean, like, what are you, you know, what are you getting? Is this the aberration or is this him turning the corner? Right. I don't know. So that's the decision you got to make there. Well, in, in the vein of Alex Smith, yeah. uh, Ryan Tannehill, we'll stay in that same tree here in terms oh of tier of quarterback because I want to get to uh, my next takeaway here belongs in Cincinnati. And that, I don't, that is, I don't know where it's going to be. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be the Bengals or somewhere else, but Andy Dalton will be starting at quarterback for someone next season. 17 yards on the play, first and 10 at the 17 of the Jets. Dalton fakes a handoff from the pocket, throws over the middle. It is caught for a touchdown by Tyler Boyd. Andy Dalton threading the needle between two New York Jets defenders. And with that touchdown pass, the Red Rifle stands alone. (laughs) Career touchdown pass number 198 in his NFL career, more than ever. Any other quarterback in Bengals history. I was happy for Andy Dalton to see that performance in that game, get them their first win of the season over the New York Jets, which is another conversation, having lost to the Miami Dolphins, giving them their first win, and here they lose the Cincinnati Bengals, give them their first win. But Andy Dalton is a good, not great quarterback, and I I think sometimes... We think of him always a disappointment. Or This guy won a lot of football games. Been to the postseason. I know things haven't gone their way once they got there. But you look at this team without Andy Dalton. Look how hapless they were. Um, this is a, an organization that has not, you know, before he got into the mix here, won a lot of football games going back, you know, what, decade plus. He kind of rescued them, made them relevant. Um, he can go somewhere next year, start, and be a playoff caliber quarterback. I don't think he's an elite player by any stretch, but I think he's a top 15 guy. When he's, when he's on, when he's playing well, um, up at his potential, at his ceiling, I think he's a, he's a 14, 15th type starter in the league, which is, is pretty darn good. And a lot of people would, would take that right now. Whew, man, uh, this is a tough call because this is something where you could actually be looking at the Bengals being without their first and second round stack in that 2011 draft because AJ Green could be on his way out uh, as well, which would be a complete changing of the guard for the Bengals. Uh, Rip down, tear it up, uh, and and try to build it back together here. That's kind of interesting. 
Dalton's seventeen point seven million. Uh, he's actually under contract in twenty twenty, but they they're free to cut him. There's no dead money. It's it certainly seems like yeah. he's he's perhaps uh, on, on his way out here. So the co- the question then becomes philosophical. And if you're in line for that number one pick, are you going quarterback? And then, you know, maybe hope to get the the next best edge rusher with your second round pick. Or is Chase Young too good to pass up at number one overall and maybe hope that, um, you know, maybe you're enamored with Jalen Hurts in the second round. Or maybe you can get back into the bottom of the first and steal a Tua in the late teens or 20s if he falls that that far. I mean, that that's one of those conversations that the Bengals will be having here at the end of the season. It's fascinating because if you look at it and you look at the offensive line coming back healthy next year with Cordy Glenn, Jonah Williams, um, you look at getting Jonah Williams healthy. Yeah. Then you look at Andy Dalton is only 32 years old. If you can get solid, steady play, you go draft Chase Young with the first. There it is. Pick, that's going to infuse your defense in a game. We saw Dunlap had what three sacks in that yeah. ball game. Now you throw Chase Young on the other side. I mean, all of a sudden now it's like, man, we could be a. Now we're on the doorstep here. We could be a playoff team, which sounds yeah. nuts for a team that just got their first win in the week 13. And then you still go get, you know, a guy who you could consider your developmental quarterback maybe in the second round. Maybe that does fit a uh, Jalen Hurts type of bill or somewhere uh, down that, uh, you know, maybe a Jordan Love somewhere down the down the road if that ends up happening. You know, that those those are some of the the options. Big decisions ahead. Yeah, no question. Uh, look, I, I think we're we're teeing it up uh, kind of in order here because my next takeaway is is that the Bucks and the Jags have some big quarterback calls to make after uh, seeing them both go head-to-head this past Sunday. Shotgun formation. Nick Foles changes the play. Shouts something to his three receivers. Little right here is the snap. Thought a tackle moved offside. Pass up. It's intercepted. Picked off. And the Buccaneers have the ball. And it's picked off by Devin White. A couple of sacks last week. A pick here today. And the Buccaneers stop Nick Foles and the Jaguars. How about that? We need takeaways when we come up with a big one. All right. So look, we saw what happened with Nick Foles. If you want to start there, fine. We'll start there with the Jacksonville Jaguars here. Three turnovers on their first three possessions. I think Nick Foles is a better quarterback than that. And look, I don't think you can put all of the the sacks on him that ended up being strip sacks that led to those two fumbles. The interception, maybe, um, you know, you, th- you throw that uh, in his column there, obviously. But I, look, what do you do if you're the Jaguars? Do you feel good enough about the contract that you handed to Nick Foles to trot him out there next season as your opening day starter? Do you feel confident in what you've seen from Gardner Minshew and what's been a little bit of an up and down here? Remember, you know, he played poor enough in London for them to go back to Nick Foles. Um, I, I don't know what the Jaguars do, and it might be a part of a bigger problem for the Jaguars. I mean, they have problems on defense, which has been the one side where you can be like, all right, look, we know we got this defense we can rely on. Let's just run the football and not try to lose games on offense. I, now I don't know where they go. It does start at quarterback to me. They got to figure that out for sure. Are you sold that the quarterback for 2020 for the Jacksonville Jaguars is currently on their roster? Weirdly enough, I am. Uh I think it's Gardner Minshew. I think that's their quarterback they can go forward with. And I think there was a little bit of an overreaction to how poorly he played over in London. That right. was a Houston game, right? right. So he, he just played poorly. And no touchdowns, two picks, still threw for 300 yards. But in terms of a rookie, um, you stack up his games. There's a lot more good than there is bad in what you've seen from him. And then with Nick Foles, I mean, I get it. It's it's an uncomfortable conversation. $22 um, million dollar backup quarterback? Just giving him. That's it. Look, I, I go back to Pete Carroll and I go back to Russell Wilson and Matt Flynn. And I know this Flynn wasn't making 22 million was 
he was making what 12 was it 12 million i, I mean it was a different time yeah it was, it was quarterback it was. market yeah it was still eyebrow raising <laughs> was, when they made right. the decision right. to do that but you can't you to me you can't preach like all these coaches do and all these organizations do we preach competition best man plays you can't tell me nick Foles is a better player right now than gardner Minshew. and i know what he did in philadelphia that was lightning in a bottle and that worked right um, we, we've but, also but seen what he's Minshew like brings life and juice yeah. to this team yeah we've also if, I, if i'm playing if look i, I do the charger games right and, I, and yeah. I'm, i'll get ready this week for the jacksonville jaguars but i can tell you from my perspective if if you're the chargers I would much rather play against Minshew. Nick Foles and Gardner Minshew. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I get you there. Um, so, oh man, it's just like that's just a ton of money that they they still owe Nick Foles. Um, you know, maybe they can figure out a way to get to get him uh, out of there. Who gives you the best chance to win? Let's right. not make it more complicated than right. it is. Right. I know the money is the money, and that's embarrassing, and that's unfortunate. It yeah. is. It happened. Yeah. You took a shot, <laughs> and so far it hasn't paid off. But so, you also you also can look at it instead of instead of taking a quarterback in the first round, you might have just found a gem. Right, you maybe you did. Late in the, it cost you nothing there. So it's the quarterback position. Let, let's look at it that way. Yeah. You just look at what are we paying the quarterback position, and and you're yeah. okay. So going back to your takeaway previous to this, if Andy Dalton is going to be a starter in the NFL next season, can the same be said for Jameis Winston? Oh, I think so. Yeah, I, I definitely think so. And I, I think he's going to be in Tampa. I, I think he, there's there's a lot of support for him inside that building. And while it's a roller coaster ride and I've been on the record saying I don't think that you can, you know, be consistent and sustain success when you have a quarterback that's that up and down as he's been throughout his entire career, high highs, low lows. Um, but there's a lot of ability there. You see it. His his ceiling is high, man. When yeah. he's on, he, he can play with anybody. Um, but he just hasn't been able to escape those moments uh, in this particular game. He did. Yeah, I think you're right. But what's it going to take to get him back there? Do you do you try to buy yourself a little time, stick him on the franchise tag with a with a one year deal rather than you know shelling out the 150 million that it, that it may cost to give him market value? I, I I will be fascinated to see what happens there right. because I don't I don't think you can do the full blown commitment. Right. I think it, to me, I'd present him with a couple options, which is hey. We're going to franchise you. Um, if you want a little bit more guaranteed money, we'll do a two or a three year deal, and right. you can get some more of that guaranteed money. But I can't, I can't extend this thing beyond that. I just haven't seen enough to to warrant it. Now I'm with you on that. That that's what seems to make the most sense at this point. All right, let's keep it going here. Yep. We'll go. Uh, let's go to. Uh, I feel like I've done this takeaway a couple oh, times boy. this year. Oh uh, man, the Philadelphia Eagles are lost. This is it. Two seconds. Lentz steps up. He pumps. He is firing as far as he possibly can. And it is batted around and intercepted by the Dolphins. The game is over, and it was indeed intercepted and coming up with the ball at long last was Chris Lemons. And that's it. First of all, uh, just as a as a former quarterback, um, can we eliminate Hail Mary interceptions from the stat sheet? They yeah. shouldn't count. I mean, you're just throwing it up there. I mean, it shouldn't it shouldn't count as an interception. But that's another story for another day. Um, this was not an Eagles offense thing. I know a lot of people are going to bang on Carson Wentz for what he did or didn't do. Um, you cannot give up 37 points to Miami Dolphins. You cannot allow 23 second half points to Miami Dolphins. Devontae Parker played well. He had a huge game, probably best game of his career, uh, winning 50-50 balls and, and did a really nice job. But Man, they made him look like Randy Moss, and they need to overhaul the secondary. It's not one or two guys. It is right. wholesale changes. Um, 
Uh, this to me was about the defense. We've we've picked on the offense and all their issues. This was not an offensive deal today. In this game, this was a defensive situation. Right? Is there one? Is there one piece of that secondary that you want to build around? I mean, you got Sidney Jones was inactive in this game. You got Ronald Darby. Malcolm Jenkins is older. Malcolm yeah. Jenkins is old. Jalen Mills. It, it, you know, I don't know if you can you can trust that. You Cravon LeBlanc. I mean, I. I don't know where to go, you know, who, who to keep there. Does anybody want to win the NFC East, by the way? I mean, is, is anybody going to do it? I don't know. Is this going to be a seven? It's going to be one of those seven and nine. Hey, the Redskins won yesterday. Are they still towards. in it? Are they still in it? They're still alive. <laughs> They're still alive. It's, it's ridiculous. Oh. Uh, but I, to me, I, I'll be anxious to see right. what happens. I know they just uh, – uh, Howie Roseman's getting a bunch of deals done. Um, gets Lane Johnson done. I <laughs> yeah. think it points to – That's their MO, right? There's a belief around yeah. the league. There's a, there's a confidence around the league talking to folks. They believe that this new CBA is going to get done sooner than later. And you see smart people like Howie Roseman trying to get as many of these extensions done as they can before the, the salary cap expands. So, right. Um, fascinating to see that. But that, that aside – I think you're going to see, a, I don't want to say wholesale, that's a strong word, but you are going to see massive changes to this roster in the offseason. They need to churn it. They need to get rid of some of the older players. They need to get younger. They need to get faster. Um, I, I would expect a lot of roster turnover there in Philadelphia. And look, by the way, uh, you want to talk about contract extensions and some of the mo- maybe one of the more savvy ones that we've seen this year was Chris Greer giving Devontae Parker a contract extension before this season at a very minimal rate. It's like two years, 12 or 13 million, something like that. I mean, he played like a $15 million a year receiver um, against the Eagles on this day. I don't know if that's, you know, his MO for the, but this has been a breakout year for him. And he had done virtually nothing leading into this season to show you that he, he should you know, continue on in this role. So, look, good, good on them for recognizing something and getting the most out of their player. And um, that, that'll be a, that's a fun storyline to watch moving forward. All right, no doubt. Uh, keep us going. Yeah, I'll keep us one. going. Yes, the defense could drive the Steelers to the playoffs. Mayfield again in the shotgun gets the snap, throws the pass, and the pass is intercepted. And that's Joe Hayden, the former Brown. He's at the forty-five. He's at the fifty. He takes a dive at the 45, and you can put this one in the history books. What a fitting end for Joe Hayden, the former Browns, a former number one pick. The ball was intended for the Browns receiver in the middle of the field, and that was Landry, and the Steelers play takeaway, and Heinz Field is in a frenzy. The Steelers now have four games this season where they have five-plus sacks and multiple takeaways. The only other team with four such games is the Patriots. This defense is keeping the Steelers rolling. Bud Dupree is having a really good season, probably his best season uh, as a pro. Uh, He's got, uh, let's see, he's got eight-and-a-half sacks on the season. One of them was a strip sack in this game of Baker Mayfield. Um, This defense held the Browns to 279 net yards in this game. And this was an offense from Cleveland that had been one of the hotter offenses in football the last three weeks here. So this was a really good defensive effort. They are keeping this team afloat, a team that has relied on, well, the, the, you know, B team, C team type of uh, depth at the skill positions on offense. I mean, just starting at the quarterback there as well with Devlin Hodges and a really good job by Mike Tomlin, keeping this group together and keeping them afloat and keeping them in the hunt here in the AFC, DJ. Yeah, I think, look, Jim Trotter, our buddy, um, that's going to be on the aftermath, is really, he's driving the bus here to get Mike Tom on the Coach of the Year award. I can't argue with him with the job he's done uh, considering the situation at the quarterback position. They're front dominated. Uh, This, to me, though, is a great lesson for team builders when you're looking at building your NFL team. 
Tell me one Steelers offensive skill player that played in this game that would start for the Cleveland Browns. Because I can't think of one. There's not one. Not a running back, um, not a receiver, not a quarterback. None of them would start for this Cleveland Browns team. I'm with you on that. But they're better in the trenches. Yeah. They're better on the offensive line. They're better on the defensive line. And that was the difference in this football game. And I also feel like, man, nobody talks about it because the situation was what it was. But does Miles Garrett play in this game? Is it different? I mean, does Devlin Hodges have that type of time to throw if Miles Garrett is I mean, playing does, in this game? Does he protect Baker Mayfield? No. I mean, like, I, you know, I don't. No, but <laughs> I'm just saying the points that they got, they had an early lead and they couldn't protect it. Miles Garrett's pretty good at that. Um, you know, so that, that was interesting to me. I thought they missed his presence in this football game. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right about that. But, uh, yeah, they were up 20, they were up 10 nothing, and then the Steelers end up scoring 20 unanswered. Uh, to go over there and, and win the game. And James Washington is quietly having a really good season right now, especially well, these, this this run. You might have bet on the wrong Oklahoma State <laughs> horse there with the Pittsburgh Steelers, right? Well, you, you know, you might be right, man. It's been uh, it's been a tough go for, for Mason Rudolph this season, no question about it. Uh, but Duck Hodges, man, he's he's saving their bacon right now, too. I mean, he's keeping he's keeping that uh, that offense in a position, you know, to score Ooh, points. Duck and bacon. I see what you duck did. Duck and bacon. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Uh, and, and look, Again, the Minka Fitzpatrick trade um, should have Kevin Colbert in the discussion for executive of the year uh, just for bringing him in. Since week three, when Fitzpatrick came over, I mean, they have absolutely taken off as a defense. They're allowing just 16 points a game since Minka's joined the team. And that's huge. You think the Miami Dolphins, when they made that trade, uh, knowing that Ben Roethlisberger was out, that uh, that (laughs) they thought that draft pick was going to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with you on that. All right, let's keep the train yep. rolling here. I was at a, a rookie debut up at Mile High there to watch a new quarterback. And we've seen a parade of quarterbacks since John Elway's been there. It's only one week. It's only one start. But they might have their guy. <laughs> Sutton wide right. Shotgun time for lock pressure on him. He throws the fade for Corley. Sutton, Sutton makes a diving effort. And he hauls it in for a Denver touchdown. That looked like a one-handed catch in the southwest corner of the end zone. A great throw by Drew Locke, an even better catch by Cortland Sutton. Locke's first touchdown pass in his NFL career, 26 yards to Cortland Sutton, 6-0 Denver. What I loved about that touchdown to Cortland Sutton was Derwin James blitzed on that play. Um, unblocked, he's, he's, not, he's free, he's not going to be picked up. He just hung in there, identified the one-on-one with his best player in Cortland Sutton, put it up there, gave him a chance, and it was a touchdown. On the second touchdown Drew Locke had in this game to Cortland Sutton, before the snap, it looks like he's going to be bracketed. Derwin James is out there, and it looks like it's going to be an inside-outside bracket. It's Both of them are on third downs. Um, so you look at that pre-snap, the look he gets says, go away from Cortland Sutton. Well, then Derwin James comes off and goes to the flat because he's got to protect the flat. It's one-on-one with Hayward once again. He gets his eyes right to Derwin James, post-snap, sees the movement. He's not bracketed. I've got one-on-one. My best player, third down, puts it on the money for another touchdown to Cortland Sutton. He was very efficient. I was impressed with how he processed, where he got the football on some certain shorts, quick little out routes. Had one boo-boo, one bad decision on the pick to uh, to Denzel Perriman over the middle of the field. But outside of that, uh, really a nice debut there for Drew Locke. Oh, man. I mean, I feel like if you're a Broncos fan, you're like... (sighs) 
All right. Finally, we got a <laughs> we got a little something we can grasp onto, a little yep. hope we can have moving forward in in the the back end of what's been another lost season for this team. And I think this is what their their fan base has been clamoring for. And, and look, I get it. The the numbers don't just wow you, but man, that first quarter did. Man, that first half did from yep. Drew Locke. And I, I thought it was interesting. You brought it up to us as we we've been getting ready for the aftermath today. Uh, the confidence that Vic Fangio had to, to let Lee, uh, Locke unleash one at the end of the game with, with seconds remaining yep. and not just play for the for overtime. That was that was interesting. That was a it was a great call. I mean, yeah. I'm sitting there calling the game going, there's no chance they're going to take an ego to overtime. You're not going to you know, you've got Bosa and Ingram, even though I haven't got to him all day long. Just why take the chance? What are the odds? And right. then. He really was a beautifully executed play because he really throws the thing out of bounds. So yeah. you're either going to get a penalty or it <laughs> or goes out of bounds. There's no, there's no harm, no, no foul. No harm, no foul, right? And, uh, and, you know, a different conversation for a different day, whether or not you, you blow that whistle at that point in time in a game on that play. Personally, I don't think you do. Right. Um, but it happened, and it was a smart play. They showed the trust factor that he had there with Drew Locke, and he goes out and gets a win in his uh, his first NFL start. Ironic that uh, Phillip Rivers, during the draft process, had gone up to L.A. Jordan Palmer's training uh, Drew Locke, uh, was training Drew Locke. Who else did he have up there? He's had, you know, he's had uh, Sam Darnold guys, and yeah. Josh Allen. Um, but they ended up bringing uh, Daniel Jones was there, I believe. Or he was trading He was training with, with uh, Morris Little Hummel Morris, on yeah. the East Coast. Yeah. Same agency. But Phillip went up there and spent time with Drew Locke in that run-up to the draft and uh, got to know him a little bit. So pretty cool for Drew Locke having that relationship. Go out first there win, and yeah. The veteran there in your first start. Pretty cool. That, uh, so that is cool. Uh, very good start there for him in his career. <laughs> no. No question. All right, let's keep things going here. We're uh, we got some uh, we got some Rams for us. Yeah, we got, yeah, right? that's what I'm going to get you right now. The Rams get right, DJ, but for how long? Three receivers out left, one right. Goff has a shotgun snap, looking right all the way. He spins one to the goal line, and a toe tap by Cooper Cup for the touchdown. Touchdown, LA. Jared Goff couldn't have walked it down there and placed it any better. Cooper Cup brings it in to take the lead to twenty-six nothing. Jared Goff throwing his first touchdown passes in this game since Week Eight. It had been some 35 days since Goff had gotten the Rams into the end zone in the past game. Thank goodness, man. And 417 of his 424 passing yards in this game came in the first three quarters. I mean, they jumped on the Cardinals from the start. And that was good to see. That was fun to see. It reminded me of Rams' recent past. It reminded me of what they can do. And uh, also reminded me that the Cardinals are not a very good defense. Uh, not at all. And they're, they're also not a very good offensive line because the Rams defensive, uh, the Rams defense comes up with six sacks in this game as well. Uh, look, it was good to see Gurley go for about five yards of carry uh, with 95 yards. It was it. Look, this is a good feeling. I think one thing that you can hold on to onto for this, this offensive performance from the Rams was seeing Jared Goff go 11 for 11 with eight passing first downs on third downs. He was perfect on third downs throwing the football in this game. That's a money down no matter who you play. I think that's important. That's something they can build on moving forward. But this is Arizona. So now what? Next up, you get Seattle. You go, you go to Dallas. You go to San Francisco. So if you can't get by Seattle and San Francisco, none of this matters because you're not in the postseason. Yeah, no, it's a good point. I, to me, the encouraging thing if you're a Rams fan is Jared Goff, 43 dropbacks, only sacked one time. So they that's, did a better that's job as well. Yep. Pass protection. 
that's going to be the challenge for them. That's still my concern for them as they as you look at that schedule that was laid out and you look at the pass rush they're going to see. Um, it's not just going to be Chandler Jones. You know, you got a one man uh, band there rushing the passer for the Arizona Cardinals. You're going to see a whole boatload of pass rushers and good defensive fronts coming down the stretch so that would be my concern but you're right Rhett they needed a big output Jared Goff needed this a nice little confidence boost for him after his struggle so it was good to see one of the uh, the young quarterbacks in this league who's got paid a whole lot of money yeah uh, a lot of pressure on him going forward it was nice to see him come out of that adversity showing some mental toughness with that performance um, all right let's let's uh, let's bring in our buddy here we got uh, yes! Buck here for a international buckies Oh, yeah, Buck. Uh, I'm not going to say across the pond. I'm just not a fan of that. That's but uh, Buck over in England with his takeaway. The Baltimore Ravens are primed for a Super Bowl run. Hurst goes in motion, and then Ingram is three yards behind him. Hurst goes in return motion. He fakes the handoff to Ingram. Going to lob one for the end zone. Caught by Mark Andrews for a touchdown. When you look at the Baltimore Ravens and the way that they play, Number eight, plus the run game, plus the defense, sets them up to make a great run. When I watched them play against the San Francisco 49ers on Sunday, what I saw was Lamar Jackson controlling the game as a game manager. He only had 200 total yards of offense and only a little over 100 passing, but because he was able to gain his fourth 100-yard game, he was able to really control it, manage the game, and keep the Ravens in positive situations. When I look at this team playing against four heavyweight teams that they've knocked off, this is a team that doesn't fear anybody. There's one that they're a team that has all of the components to win big games on the road or at home. I think this team is dangerous. They're going to be dangerous in the playoffs. I can't wait to see how they continue to evolve their offense. Well, there you go, Buck. Uh, doing a lot of work for us. I don't even know what time of the day he was able to get that recorded for us, but a hat tip there to Bucky for giving us his takeaway on the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, my thing, uh, Rhett, when you when you look at this game and you watch the tape, it's amazing to me how uncomfortable they make defensive players in the front seven. And it's not the uncomfortable guy because he's getting double teamed. It's not the uncomfortable guy because he's getting single blocked. It's the unblocked defender that doesn't know what to do. Do I crash on the back? Do I slow play it? Uh, do I attack the quarterback? There's one play in particular. We're going to show it on the aftermath where Eric Armstead is, uh, he's unblocked and he gets to the mesh point. He can either tackle the running back or the quarterback. He just freezes yeah, because he's paralyzed trying to figure out how do I, how do I guess right here and did nothing. Uh, so it is. It has definitely got defenses on their heels. And in a day where it was the weather was crappy, you weren't going to be able to throw the ball very much. I think that versatility of their run game was huge. It, look, the 49ers ran it well as well. Um, but I think Lamar Jackson being able to run third and shorts, fourth and, fourth and shorts, um, that was the key to the ball game. Yeah, I, I'm with you. So now, you know, what would the 49ers do differently if they do get an opportunity? As Kyle Shanahan mentioned, he'd love to have that shot to earn another chance to see the Ravens, which would only happen, of course, uh, in a Super Bowl situation down in Miami in Super Bowl 54. I'd love to see it again. I think everyone would love to see it again. I'd love to see it again in you know, maybe some better conditions uh, as well. I think it was really interesting the way that this game was 31 points were scored in the first quarter, first half of this game. Six points were scored in the second half. Robert Sala's defense did not allow a point to be scored until Time had expired with Justin Tucker's game-winning field goal. So they, they had kind of figured out a little bit on how to, how to keep the points off the board at least. You know, the Ravens were moving the ball on that one, the one drive where he did have his first fumble of the season, which was a terrific play by the DB to strip and recover it. So, you know, I think this will be a fun, this will be a fun chess match to watch moving forward for the Ravens. How do teams, again, try to figure out a way to defend 
this Lamar Jackson led run game. Um, I, I think that'll be fascinating moving forward, but they've passed every test and they passed every test within the framework of this game as well. Well, you look at Jimmy Garoppolo turning the football over, giving the Ravens a short field. Um, you take that away. That San Francisco 49ers defense did a really nice job. And I think it is kind of interesting when you look at the connection with Gus Bradley and what they were able to do in the playoffs last year against the Baltimore Ravens, a game that's been referenced a zillion times. Um, and then you look at Robert Sala coming from that from that tree there. There's a relationship there. I still don't think that they you know ha- had it figured out trying to find the football. I think you would see, again, in a second meeting, I would be fascinated to see this Baltimore Ravens in meeting number two with a lot of these football teams. Uh, wait, just real quick. Uh, we mentioned it. Uh, you mentioned you'd, you'd have uh, Gardner Minshew start for the Jacksonville Jaguars in 2020. He will start this Sunday for the Jags. They just sent that out. Yep. The Jaguars has did. to. So there you go. Uh, breaking has news. To. No and, surprise. And by the way, I do want to tease. We, we've got a uh, we've got another show coming up yeah. tomorrow and we will get into some of the college football news. I know, Rhett, you were yeah. uh, just texting me. I just looked and saw that information on Chris Peterson. Uh, we'll save that. We won't do that on the takeaway pod. But we will get to that here later in the week. Some big news there in college football. And I think you'll see more changes uh, before we get back on the mics. Uh, let's get to, uh, to Bucky's last takeaway here. And that involves a team in the AFC West. The Kansas City Chiefs are the NFL's version of the Houston Rockets. At 6.38 to go, second quarter. Mahomes takes the snap from Ryder, drifts to his left, holds the ball in his right hand. He can run. He's at the 10. He's at the 5. Angling near front pylon. Touchdown, Kansas City. A 13-yard scramble. Pat Mahomes is really like James Harden. is a maestro with the ball. He does a great job of getting the ball out to the playmakers, Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. And what we're seeing is their offense is their best defense because they can put so many points on the board. They really force opponents to get out of their offense success. They make them one dimensional and they're tough. The Kansas City Chiefs are a dominant team with the potential to run anyone out the stadium. Their offense is their best defense and that gives them a chance to make a deep run. Uh, great to hear from Buck there. When you look at this football game, really Raiders defense, man, I thought they did a nice job. Uh, you look at 100, 175 passing yards from Pat Mahomes, only one touchdown. They don't have a runner go for over 44 yards. They rush for under 100 yards. And you're the, the Raiders. You have Josh Jacobs go over 100. You should. You, maybe you don't win that football game. You should. You're at least in it. They got their doors blown off yeah. because of 12 penalties and three turnovers. That was a killer for the Oakland Raiders. So while I agree with Buck that this this Chiefs team has a ceiling, that they can play with anybody, they can beat anybody, they have a, the talent to win a Super Bowl, um, this particular game to me felt like a, uh, just not ready yet Raider game is what it felt like to me. No, I think you're right there. And I think there were some encouraging signs for the Chiefs, not necessarily on offense, but on defense. And look, I know the, the Raiders, Raiders aren't blowing anybody's doors off offensively this year, although, you know, Josh Jacobs has been uh, has been a good run. He ran for over 100. You know that's good to see. But I think the way the Chiefs have played on defense, uh, this is something encouraging for them moving forward. And then if you look ahead now for the Chiefs, they're gonna they can score 20 points against just about anybody, right? I mean, nobody's gonna hold them yeah. to under 20 points. So when they match up against the Patriots, can the Patriots score 20 against the Chiefs? I I don't know at this point. Yeah. So, you know, that now, you know, you kind of have to worry about the top of the AFC here. Not worry about it, but under, you know, outside of the Ravens, you know, who's going to move into that number two, number two spot. The Patriots are still there right now, but do we feel like the Chiefs might still have a, a chance if they can get past the Patriots uh, down the stretch here? It's going to be fun to watch. 
I I, I kind of like the Chiefs in the underdog role that they're in right now. Yeah. Where it's not really clicking. I mean, they're not even they're not even really offensively going to be on the highlight highlight shows this week. I mean, there's there's not those those unbelievable plays right. where the Chiefs are always front of mind. The Baltimore Ravens are that team right now. They're they're the team where we're we're gushing about them. We're talking about them nonstop. They're the favorites. Everything goes through them. That was that's been Kansas City. Uh, with Pat Mahomes. No last question. Year. That's not the case this year. And I kind of like Andy Reid, Pat Mahomes, and a little bit of this underdog role. 18-3 and three now, Andy Reid coming off a bye. Darn impressive. <laughs> yeah. No, you don't want to see Andy no, Reid off a bye. That's no, my life's don't. great truths. <laughs> uh, all right, man. There it is. Ten takeaways. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us here on the Move the Sticks Takeaway Podcast presented by AARP. We do appreciate you guys listening, uh, watching, and I hope that you will uh, continue yeah. to check us out here on Move the Sticks. DJ, Bucky, and Rhett with all the crew behind the glass led by Ryan Bartlett. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. The NFL season is getting to the good stuff. Let's Cannot go. wait to keep it going here on Move the Sticks presented by AARP. Thanks for downloading Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah, Bucky Brooks, and Rhett Lewis. For more, go to nfl.com slash podcast. You go into your shower feeling tired but as soon as you reach for the irish spring your day immediately gets better that crisp fresh unmistakable irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses so when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it irish spring body wash and bar soap fresh green irish shop now at a store near you Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Spentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. 
It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store.